to look at one paragraph from Contagious Church. How many of you feel that we have to treat this book till it's inside and outside of us? We have to be an living epitome of a contagious Christian, isn't it? Yeah, it's a word used in the right context. So I want us to look at chapter 5, and there's a, just a scripture there that we are going to analyze and chew on it and live on it. And I believe that in um, 2022, we'll be able to take it all the way. And um, I believe that next week, Wednesday, we have karaoke. And then Thursday is the last chapel meetings. And um, Friday, we are going to have an all-workers meeting. You know, we'll have our workers and uh, appreciation you know, celebration at some point. We are monitoring Uncle Boris and his lifestyle and his plans. And we are going to counteract. We, we don't want to have our own so that our videos will come out in 2022. <laughs> yeah. But next Friday, all church workers, so please let's make sure we tell, tell somebody to tell somebody to tell somebody. That will be our very last meeting for the year after that. I will only see you on Sundays or Christmas Day or 31st night, isn't it? Yes, until the second week in January, I'll just be seeing you like that. Because you need to miss me and I need to miss you, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. Why? Don't you think that when you see somebody always familiarity sets you? Yeah. Except there are a few people that you, wait, okay. Chapter 5 says that a person who has been infected with a contagious disease may exhibit certain signs and symptoms. Contagious Christians are no different. So we are going to describe what it means to be a contagious Christian, what stops people from becoming contagious with their faith and the benefits of becoming a contagious Christian. Some of you, this book you bought it, but you won't read it. So I'm reading it for you soon. Yeah. How many of you this year? I mean, this year I've recommended books. Please, next week, Friday, when we are coming for our workers' meeting, please bring the two books, Contagious Church and An Enemy Called Average, with you. By now, I would have assumed that you've read it over and over. And over. It's my assumption. It's my assumption that you, you have read it because I gave it at the beginning of the year. So when did I give an enemy called average? At the beginning of the year. Yeah, so it's been 12 months. It's been 12 months. Yeah. A contagious Christian is someone who has been so infected with the love and power of God that he, they will infect you the moment you encounter them. He or she is full of Christ, that they have many imaginative, engaging, and enthusiastic ways of infecting you with the love of God. Yeah. It says imaginative, engaging, and enthusiastic way. It means that sometimes the approach we have is unimaginative, isn't it? It's not engaging. And we ourselves, we are not even enthusiastic. Do you know that enthusiasm is infectious? Do you know that? That's how come young people end up taking drugs or going into alcohol. Is the enthusiasm with which they are evangelized. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying? Yeah. 
That's how come even sometimes you hear a music or watch a movie that everybody has gone on about and you watch and you are wondering what's all this about. But it was that enthusiasm and the way they were describing that made you go. Yeah, then you watch it and you are still wondering. I remember when uh, Wakanda, uh, what's the Black Panther. I mean, literally, it was coming through our ears, nose, eyes, and I went to watch it, and I'm still questioning. <laughs> yeah. A classic example of, a contagious, of contagious Christians were the people in Acts chapter 11. At this juncture, please turn your Bible to Acts chapter 11. We'll read a couple of verses, and then we'll go home. And then we'll go and sleep, and then we'll wake up, and then, yeah. You know, sometimes when people have to do things in the house of God, or there are things to be done in the house of God, and they're like, I've got to go home, I've got to go home. You yourself, when you get home, then what? You get home, you go into the kitchen, you take your bowl of rice, you sit down, you eat it. Then what? That's it. When are we finishing? When are we? Acts chapter 11. We're going to look at a couple of the verses, pull out a few things, and then see how. Yeah. You see, sometimes when you analyze certain things, it helps you mature. Sometimes we even need to sit back. You know, from Sunday, we'll be looking at Thanksgiving. We need to even sit back and realize that sometimes the tantrums we have with God is just our childishness. Yeah, do you know how a child who wanted, uh, what are the different names of uh, uh, the, the doll, that dolly, uh, uh, Ken and Barbie, and then it's like they bought you a Barbie that had a pink dresser, and then they throw times on and then they throw the doll away. Sometimes that's how we behave with God. I'm asking for this, then look at what you have given to me. Hmm. So we are looking at some of the characteristics that the contagious Christians in Acts 11 had. I'm reading from verse 19. It says that, meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. So the first thing about the contagious Christian is that they share Christ everywhere. And you see that the verse 19 and the verse 20 talks about believers, and then verse 20 talks about believers. Verse verse 19, believers Share Christ to a point. Verse 20, go beyond the Jews. You see, the Reverend has been telling us about the way we like to look for 
easy targets to preach to. Do you understand? Yeah, we like to easy targets to preach to. The ones that we know that are already in the God line, are already sort of have some small understanding. We don't want Gentiles, those who don't have, that we have to start from ground zero. But you see, if we remember what was said in the first paragraph in the book, that you have to become imaginative, enthusiastic. Do you understand? You have to find ways to become more engaging. You will go beyond your immediate or the familiar. Does that make sense? Yeah. It says that the believers, they shared Phoenicia, and then there are some who went beyond Cyrene and shared to the Gentiles. Amen. Verse 21 says that the power of the Lord was with them. The power of the Lord. If you are a contagious Christian, the power of the Lord has to be with you, will be with you. He said the power of the Lord was with which people? The believers. The power of the Lord is not for prophets, just prophets, evangelists, whatever, um, pastors, teachers, reverends. No, it's not for people with titles, but it is for people who are infecting people with Christ. For you to be an effective witness of Christ, you have to have the power of the Lord. Why? Because the power of the Lord is attractive. The power of the Lord is also in itself infectious. Can you imagine if you are in the midst of unbelievers, you know, and somebody is sick and say, let me pray for you. And right in front of them, you pray for the person and they receive their healing. You don't need to turn your Bible to any chapter. Do, Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So the power of the Lord is infectious. And every contagious Christian must desire, must pray for it, must want to be endowed with the power of the Lord. Amen. The power of the Lord is what will give you that boldness. The power of the Lord is what will drive you. Yeah. Do you know that if you have a very fast car and somebody wants to go racing, you're not intimidated to go. Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? If you have a certain kind of car and it has snowed and the snow is about however many inches, you look at your car and take a decision that I'm not stepping out. You know, where my, my, in the cold sack we live in, my house sort of faces the road, so I see the people trying to come, trying to go. When it snows heavy, the most joyful thing is to look out of my window and see those who will make it across, those who will reverse, and those who just park. You literally have those... They try, they try, they try, and they see that not today. And where they are, they lock up, and they go back home. And then you have those who come sort of get stuck, and they're like, no, 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 no. They change something inside their car, and then they, they have power inside the car that makes them overcome the snow. And you have those that their car doesn't stay stationary, it reverses. Some of you, you will try and go and witness to people and they'll witness to you. (laughs) Instead of being an effective witness, you rather become a convert. 
That is why you have to desire the power of the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? The power of the Lord is what will let you drive the demons that are bothering you and drive the demons that are bothering others. Do you get it? Um, one of the books that next year I pray that we will all get is the successful cell group. One of the things that John Cho was talking about was that as they started a cell group and they were finding ways to be engaging, he had one of these women come up with an idea which meant that they became nosy in the neighborhood. They became nosy. So they are finding out what is going on around. Do you understand? Has somebody become bereaved? Is somebody unwell? Is somebody then they make themselves available. <laughs> in fact, some, you know, in, uh, in Asia, they, they have more flats. Yeah, they don't have like single bungalows, uh, what do you call it? They have flats, and one of the ways they also started is that if a chapel starts in that flat, then on Saturday mornings, they make themselves available around the flat. So somebody maybe gets their Uber arrives with the shopping, then they help the person take their shopping to their, their thing. The person is trying to bring something down. Maybe they have a baby, a pushchair, so carry the baby will take the pushchair. And they don't talk about Christ. They don't invite them, nothing. They are just in the neighborhood, just helping, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down, till the people become very grateful, friendly, you know, and it's like they get to the point where, hello, I haven't seen, I didn't see you, and then before they know it, it's like, oh, no, I'm on flat 272, actually, on Thursdays at 8 o'clock, we just hang out around there, would you like to come and hang out around there? I pray that we'll have that grace and that power and that anointing. Amen. Let's keep reading. And then it says that, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. A contagious Christian causes many to turn to the Lord. How many of you know that you can witness to somebody, preach to somebody, and there's not a turnaround? Do you understand? It's like, oh, what you were saying was very powerful. What you were saying sounds very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like hanging around with you. I think that you are very, but then their lives don't change. There is not a change. A contagious Christian, when they affect somebody, infect somebody, the person's life changes 180, not 360. There's a turn around. They begin to go in the way of Christ. They begin to go in the direction. How many of you know that Acts 11 is about the contagious Christian? Verse 22. So what have I said? I said that a contagious Christian shares Christ wherever they go. They manifest the power of God, isn't it? They cause many to turn to Christ. Verse 22. When the church at Jerusalem heard what happened, what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. First of all, it says that when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, there is always evidence of your contagiousness. Yeah. What had happened? Souls were being won. What had happened? Souls were being won. It says that when they heard 
when they heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Contagious attracts and it's infectious. Contagious attracts contagious. How many of you, how many know that fire lights fire? Many things that are infectious, when you come around it, you have it. Do you know that even if you, have, you are awake and alert and you sit by someone who is yawning for a long time, you start yawning? Yeah. If you are around somebody who has a dry sense of humor and they laugh about very weird things and it's just somebody that you are always around, you realize that you to your sense of humor changes. You begin to laugh. Yeah. If, if yeah, if you are around people who are always gossiping, gossiping, you know, when you start, you're like, hey, that's for me, I don't gossip. Oh. And then you even feel uncomfortable when they throw somebody on the table. Think of gossiping like going to the butchers. I want the leg. I want the hand. I like the middle. I want the liver. I like the kidney. That is, when you are, when, next time you see yourself in a gossiping environment, think of yourself as the butchers and imagine what you are cutting. Ultimately, they cut the person's head. But if they cut, start from your legs, at least you will live long. <laughs> but if they start and they chop off your head, then it, it means that you are, yeah. Before you realize you have also become a gossip, then you can say that, oh, I just happened to be sitting there. I didn't say much. I was, not, I was there, but I was really uncomfortable. I, then very soon you see that now you are the initiator of the gossip. In fact, you crave for it. Yeah. You, you, you see that, and then you become one who also grooms new gossipers. Hmm. Yeah. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, what does it say? Iron sharpens iron. So does a man the countenance of his friend. The message Bible puts it, they say, say that you use steel to sharpen steel. One friend sharpens the other. Because as we read on, you realize that when they heard about it and they sent Barnabas, Barnabas went there. Barnabas went there when he also saw, he too went to bring Paul. Come, come, come. This is where it's happening. Contagiousness just attracts. If you had come and didn't like it, you wouldn't go and call another. See what you are infecting people with. I've been thinking about it and I realized that in one form or the other, we are all infectious. Do you know that? Yeah, 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 yeah. One form or the other, we are all infectious, but it depends on what disease we are carrying. Yeah, it depends on what disease. Listen, if you don't know how to quarrel, just hang out with quarrelsome people. It's a spirit. Just hang out with quarrelsome people. You will see that your lips will be anointed. <laughs> One day, it's like how we, we get the gift of uh, the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues. One day, you'll be insulting somebody in full sentences and you'll be surprised. It's like, where did this come from? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. That is why it really matters what you stay around. Do you understand? Yeah. What you tarry long at. Yeah, because do you know that even in this COVID season, if somebody has COVID, but you don't come too close to the person or you don't stay in contact with the person for a long time, 
the, the, the whatever will not settle on you. Do, do, do you understand? And you'd be surprised, like, oh, but I was with that person. Or, but then the one that was in close proximity and stayed with the person for long, no option, no chance. You are catching it fully. Do, do, do you understand? Yeah. So misery can be caught. Do, do, do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a book. I can't remember the, who the author is. You know, it says that pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. You understand? Life, I mean, pain will come. But being miserable, and being miserable is also a learned art. It's something that you can also learn. Do you understand? If you're around people who like to be miserable. Which means that if, you like, if you're around people who like to serve God, who like to win souls, you become it. You become it. If you say, I have my faith is strong, I have depth in God, my life is for Christ, and you are hanging around people who despise Christ, it's only a matter of time. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why a, a lot of times, like as we are going to, into the Christmas season, festive season, be careful. Be careful. Be careful because you'll be surprised that you are not as spiritually strong as you think you are. Do you understand? And you are not as righteous as you think you are. And you are not as powerful as you think you are. Do you get it? Or you don't? Let's continue reading. When Barnabas arrived, verse 23, when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. Yeah. Which means that contagious Christians, let people come around you and see the manifestation of God's power by the effect you have on the unsaved. Yeah, the contagious Christian is about souls. It's not about wealth. It's not, that's not what we are talking about. It's about souls. The evidence of God's blessing was the people who were being affected and the people who were turning around. The people who were turning around is being described in scripture as God's blessing. As God's blessing. That is it. That was the proof. That God has blessed. Today, charismatic, if you want to prove to me that God has blessed, please show me your big house. Show me your big dress. Show me your big, when we see all your big, big things, to us, that is the evidence. But in the contagious church and to the contagious Christian, the evidence of God's blessing is the souls. The lives that are being turned around. That is the impartation. And that is where you can say that God's blessing is upon you. God's blessing is in the house. So even the wealth that God will give us is so that we can go and use it to bring the evidence of his blessing. So if you have the wealth and you are not using it to turn lives around, we haven't seen God's blessing. Yes, my pastor, I will. You have written a powerful book. We'll use the book, which you, have you, 
watch a movie enough that you don't need to watch a movie again. Kiran could recite the Prince of, what's it? A, a fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh, line by line, scene by scene, season by season. He doesn't even have to be looking. He can hear one line and give you the next line that's coming. I pray that he uses the same anointing for all scriptures. The evidence of God. I pray, I pray that in 2022, God's blessing will be manifest in your life. So when next time you hear somebody saying that the Lord bless you, it means that the Lord give you grace to be a soul winner. The Lord give you grace to be one who turns lives around. He was filled with joy. That is why, can you imagine that you want to affect people with the gospel? You want people to be drawn to Christ and you are not joyful. You are not joyful. Your joy is a witness. Your joy is a witness. That, it didn't say that be filled with happiness. It said be filled with joy because happiness is subject to circumstance. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Happiness is a joy is a fruit of the spirit. Joy is something that you get more and more of as you become more and more spiritual. When you become more and more spiritual, you become joyful from within, not without. Happiness is from without. That is why sometimes you can see that husband and wife, they can be very happy on the last day of the month because they've both been paid. I heard a preacher saying that if you are in bed, you try and touch your wife and she says, leave me, check your wallet. <laughs> There's nothing inside it. <laughs> Happiness is from without. Joy is from within. Joy is from within. Which means that it doesn't matter what is going on around you, snow, and look at a country like United Kingdom. People say, go out of their way to say hello in the summer. And they frown at you in the winter. Not, you're the same person. You're the same neighbor. But the external circumstances are de determining their relationship with you. Your workplace, they must feel your joy. When everybody else is feeling stressed out. In your family, they must feel your joy. In the apartment you live in, in that block, they must feel your joy. They must, they must assume that you are always happy because they cannot differentiate between happiness and joy. You are not necessarily happy in the circumstances you are in, but you are joyful that the Lord will see you through. And the last bit of verse 23, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Which means that staying true and remaining faithful is not guaranteed. Have you ever seen people who have been on fire and then you see them again and they don't want to know about God? Yeah, there's a possibility to be shifted. But I was like, listen, 
the way you are contagious, the only way to remain that way is to stay true to the Lord. Because after a while, you can become pretentious because we have assumed something about you. We have assumed that you are contagious. We have assumed that you are still infected with Christ. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you are. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because sometimes we can become disappointed in God, but we are still serving him. You are not being true to the Lord. We can sort of go through the routine, tithe, come to church, but you are not being true to the Lord. You are being true to man. You are being true to the church. You are being true. Other Christians think that you are still, you know, but you know that you are not. That's why he's saying that be true to the Lord. Be real to the Lord. Be faithful to the Lord. Stay on that place. Let me give you, let's finish it and then we will go home. I told you that we'll finish it. Go home, eat, and go to bed. Verse 24. We only have two verses left. We'll be going. Barnabas, who was also contagious. Remember, contagious attracts contagious. Because you have to be contagious to hear that there are some contagious people somewhere for you to go and join yourself. Listen, in Bailey, every drug addict knows where all the drug dens are. Oh, if they go across this uh, park there and they, they, that house is closed, they know exactly where to go towards the core. But you pass by there always, but you don't know that they are contagious for in there. And Barnabas is being described. So this is also describing you and I, that if we are contagious, it says that Barnabas was a good man. Say, I'm a good person. Even if you are not a good person from today. <sighs> Barnabas was a good man. Listen, being good is a part of your witness for God. Yeah. If your neighbor see that you're a very wicked person, you're very humble, and then you come, and then after you come, you, uh, they hear you pray in tongues. You know, in, in, in university, you know, we used to have a particular category of girls, and if you can pray in tongues more than them, they'll kill you. And yet, at the weekend, you'll find these very old men, I mean, who probably are older than their fathers. Some are limping, trying to climb up into their accommodation, holding their stairs and climbing up. And then you see them in an outfit that you couldn't even possibly imagine that they could wear. And then they disappear with their little overnight bags. And then Sunday, they'll go to church. And then Sunday night, on the corridors of the accommodation, and you want to say, just shut up. Yeah. And they will make people who are not saved but are morally upright look down upon our faith. Look down upon our God. Because they can stand there and say that, I will not go after a married man. I will not go. In fact, one day we were sitting in the, like the foyer, and, and I had a friend that it was our full-time job. We literally used to sit in the foyer, and one day somebody tried to insult us and told us that we don't have plans. We said, we don't have plans. 
<laughs> and one day we were sitting there, and then this man appears. And when the man, as soon as the man appeared, if I two or three occasions that when the man appeared, we looked. Ah, how we know this man? Because the high the high school went, and this man, his elder brother, actually has been our president before. The man appeared, and we looked, and then. One of the girls were about four sitting there. These are perhaps people. And then she looked up and then she saw, because she also has the same name, that's her uncle. So she said, uncle, this. And then he looked up and he saw us and he recognized all of us. So immediately he took his wallet out, started distributing. <laughs> and we all collected and were very grateful. But we were waiting to see who is this bold person that this man has come to see. Because obviously, he didn't come and see his niece. And his daughter is not in that university. So we waited for a while. And then we saw yours truly coming with her overnight by. And then as she got near, we all said, Uncle, thank you so much for you. <laughs> yeah. And this was, she had even a title. She was either a treasurer or something inside the uh, Christian, you know, thing. One day, the another time, the person was, the old man was climbing the stairs. When I looked, it was me, my uncle. But he, he has no shame, so he wasn't, he was not overwhelmed though. He actually took me to the room to introduce me to the girl. <laughs> For him, he, he didn't have any problems at all. Yeah. He, his only excuse that day was that he said he thought I had gone home. He didn't know I was around. But if I'm around, I should come with him to the car. I said, uncle, I'm following you to the car. Yeah. You know, he wasn't afraid that you go and tell his wife. Oh, no, that, one, that was not his problem at all. And the funny thing is that the young girl was so excited. After that, she just used to come to me because she thought I was her in-law. <laughs> Says Barnabas was saying, you have to be good. You have to be good. Nobody has to be monitoring your life, monitoring what you do. If you're a contagious Christian, your being good is part of your service to God. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll be, you see, for, so for someone like my big sister, she, she had a roommate who was like that. And he made my sister struggle, especially with the Pentecostal environment. Struggle because she couldn't have the two, the two weeks. Yeah, because she was even going to Orthodox and she was afraid of that. And this girl, if you can pray more than her, she prays over the stove, prays over the, you know, everything. Pours oil on all things. I say, pour. <laughs> oh gosh, the uh, camera is there, I can't. I was going to tell her places to pour the oil. Listen, be good, be good, be good. Christmas is coming, be good, be good. For, for, for the Bible to tell us that it means that it's not everybody who bears the name of Christ who's good. Because otherwise, why you tell us that he's a good man? Barnabas is preaching and has come all the way the church has sent him. Our assumption is that this missionary has to be good. But the Bible says that he was good. Which means that being good is not automatic. And being good is something that you develop. All of us, we have our bad sides. Bad, bad, whether it's... Our mouth out bad. Tell somebody I'm becoming good. I am becoming good. Yeah. Exhibit virtue. And he says that, and he was full of the Holy 
spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Listen, your desire for spiritual things fuels your contagiousness. Your desire for spiritual things fuels your contagiousness. Otherwise, you'll be driving on empty. You'll be driving on empty. Your, your desire, your absorbing of spiritual things, messages, prayer, the word, the kind of music. Listen, the kind of music is a spirit. If music can drive away demons, music can bring in demons. Your house is heavy. Watch what you are listening, what you are watching, what you are reading, what you are listening to. It's a spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. You have to have restraint. Do you know that in the army, if you decide to join the army, your life is regulated. In fact, your life is regimented. I'm here to tell you that if you choose Christ, he will regiment your life. This, I'm free and I'm this and I'm that and I'm that and that. It's not the gospel. Even the sin I'm going to sin in 2025, God has already forgiven me. So go and do it. I pray that I'm helping somebody. There are some people in your family who need to get saved, but you need to transform before they can be affected by your faith. You need to, you need to, you need to. And that is why sometimes we say certain things and we just laugh over it. But if I live in your house or I work in a, and I hear you always gossiping about other church members, about your pastors, they always say, Sunday, oh, are you coming to church with me? Hey. Then I'll become part of your message. Or even if they follow you once and they come and they see the way you hug people and they remember that, ah, wasn't it Daniel that you were talking about? And then they see the way you hug Daniel. Now they are imagining all the times you've hugged them, what you were thinking. And was strong in faith. I want to show you a few scriptures. I know our time is up. But I am determined that we will, because we will, well, next Friday, if the Lord tarries and if Boris Johnson stays away from our business, tell Boris Johnson that he should leave us alone. Hmm. You know, when Christ was crucified, you remember that man called Joseph who wanted the body of Jesus. Do you remember him? Yeah. In Luke 23, 50, the Bible says, and behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just one. Wow. Yeah. Proverbs 22, 11, and I believe Ecclesiastes 7, one also, it says that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Isn't it? A good name. Be good. Yeah. You know, um, 1 Corinthians 16, I'm going to read a message Bible, verse 13 to 16. It says that, keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all you've got, be resolute. It was talking about strong faith there. And it says, and love without stopping, 
Would you do me a favor, friends? I just love the Message Bible. Would you do me a favor and give special recognition to the family of Stephanas? Why? You know they were among the first converts in Greece and they've put themselves out there serving Christians ever since then. I want you to honor and look up to people like that. It means that there are people that you shouldn't look up to. Companions and workers who show us how to do it. Giving us something to aspire towards. Amen. Giving us something to aspire towards. I want to end here. I said that. And being strong in faith. Do you know there are many things that come to weaken our faith? The, in Romans 4, the Bible tells us and describes Abraham's faith. Verse 20 and verse 21 it says that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, that same God, was able also to perform it. Do you know if you have strong convictions, you are not easily dissuaded. You are not easily put off. If you are determined to maybe go to the shop or go to a place and you are stuck in traffic, unless you are not very determined, you stick with it. If you, I don't really have to go, I can go tomorrow. I, today, you know, I wanted to get some petrol. And then when I got to the petrol, then there were some cars, and I looked in the shop there, and then there, were, there was a line trying to pay, the, and, then, and then I left. First of all, it means I have enough petrol to get about my business for another day. If the car would not move without petrol, nobody would tell me to just stick with it and then let the, you know. There was a season in our life that we had a car that the gauge didn't work. You had to use telepathy, anointing grace to determine where, because it was always on full. <laughs> you can drive it the whole way <laughs> until you get stuck. <laughs> when you get stuck, then you know it's empty. <laughs> until. May we have strong faith and strong convictions in Jesus' name. Yeah. And the Bible says that. The last verse, let's read the last verse. It says that verse 25, then Barnabas went out to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. And it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. The Christian was supposed to be an insult, you know. It was supposed to ridicule them. But their level of contagiousness brought them a name. Rise up unto you.